I have to have water, yeah. Okay, so today the, the class we usually concentrate on taking out a lesson, a message from the weekly portion of the Torah. We call this Torah and Tea. Uh, we meet on Tuesdays. And um, there is a, this week, there is a double portion. The way it works that we start in the beginning of the year, Simchat Torah, we start to read the Torah. Every week we read a portion. Sometimes we read double portions. And throughout the year, and then finally, after Sukkot, Basimchas Torah, we finish. So we always uh, learn uh, something from the uh, portion. One of the things about the Torah is that you turn it over and over, there's always more to be found. There's always uh, beautiful lessons. And, you know, I'm fortunate to uh, read some of the Rebbe's insights. Uh, it's only a matter of to give it over properly. Uh, but the Rebbe's insight and uh, uh, the Rebbe's uh, being able to uh, see, uh, you know, a lot of times people look at a picture and you see the picture and you see, you think you, you understand what the picture is saying, but then somebody else comes out up to you and says, oh, did you notice that this line is this one? And did you notice? Matter of fact, there was one time a story said that the, uh, well, they were in a museum, one of the previous Rebbe's, they were in a museum. And there was like this beautiful, beautiful piece of art. And people were just admiring it. They couldn't really take their eye how, how beautiful and how meticulous everything, the colors and the scenery and the message, it was just beautiful. Walks by a simple peasant. He says, he says this picture is wrong. He says, who are you? You're no expert. What do you know about the pictures? What, how, how do you know it's wrong? What do you mean it's wrong? So he says, look, you see there's a bird in the picture, there's a bird you know, standing on a, uh, on a little branch. And he says, but the branch is just straight, it's not moved. In real life, if the bird was standing on that branch, it should have bent a little bit. Oh, over there it's not bent, so it's not a true picture. He was able to see something which nobody else can see. Somebody who is really who's gifted, and God has blessed them with special gifts of being able to see things a lot deeper than we can sometimes observe and understand them, and then give us a lesson in the service of Hashem. So I get fortunate to read some of the Rebbe's talks. I'll give over from, this is in the uh, portion of Bahar, in uh, in the third volume of the Rebbe Sichas, uh, that's in the, that's I, I I read that over, and I want to give over a little bit of that of that talk. But just so you know, today this week we're doing a double portion. One of them we're actually finishing up the third book. There's five books of the Torah, and we're finishing up the third book, Bahar and Bichukosai. Those are the two last portions. And at the end, when we finish a book, we say, Chazak, Chazak, Vinis Chazek. Let us be strong and let us gain strength because we're thankful to Hashem that we were able to finish. And one of the 
important lesson is whenever we finish, we start right away again. We never really finish. We finish, but we finish in one. And we keep on reading over again, and we find new insight and new inspiration. Okay, so one of the mitzvahs, you know, we, we read in this parsha. one of the mitzvahs is the mitzvah of ribis. What does ribis mean? Ribis means interest. What does it mean? It means that the Torah actually prohibits from taking interest. Well, you're going to wonder, you know, everything works in interest. The bank takes interest, everybody takes interest. Well, I'm not going to get so much into the legal aspects of it, but technically, and I'm going to say this also because I know uh, Jenya asked me. I know I'm not pronouncing your name correctly. It'll take me some time. However you want. Okay. So, um, the Jewish people have actually suffered because of this verse, because the verse says that you're not allowed to take interest from another Jew, but you are allowed to take interest from a non-Jew. So, the non-Jewish people have persecuted the Jewish people for this statement, and the answer is very simple, because a non-Jew is allowed to take interest from a Jew. (laughs) So therefore, it works both ways. So the Jew can take interest from him, but one Jew is not allowed to take interest from the other Jew. And generally speaking, you know, and historically speaking, uh, we were, as a people, we were, our rights and our uh, liberties and our freedom and our opportunity, everything was taken away from us. Through our history, we were constantly persecuted. And um, we're like a, a little family over there, or they call a little sh- uh, sheep between a lot of wolves and a lot of people. So we need to protect ourselves a little bit. Then we don't have to worry about the other people. I mean, they're pretty much, you know, they take care of themselves. We have to sort of... But in any event, it talks about ribis. It talks about interest, not taking interest. The Torah wants us to be helping another person. Matter of fact, we're learning in Maimonides in these days. Maimonides says it's a bigger mitzvah, it's a bigger uh, good deed to lend someone money than to give them charity. Why? Because he says when somebody's already begging for charity, they've already gone down to the level in which they have to ask other people to help them. So they're already sort of made themselves uh, you know, cheap by having to stretch out their hand and asking for a handout. But when a person needs a loan, they are still pretty much you know, okay, but they need some help so they don't get to the next level in which they have to stretch out their hands. So it's a bigger mitzvah. Also, tzedakah you give to the poor, but a loan you can give, whether you're poor or not poor, you can give the poor people a loan. And the fact that you have to help somebody out, the Torah says you have to help out and you have to give them a loan. That is just an act of kindness. Don't make money on the loan that you give them. Just help them out. If they need a loan, give them the loan. Do it interest-free. Matter of fact, the Rambam says, the, we learned the halacha yesterday, that he says that if you know the other person doesn't have what to pay back, you're not allowed to even go in front of them, make them uncomfortable. You're not allowed to demand from them to pay back if they don't have money to pay back. On the other hand, I mean, one is not allowed to withhold uh, if he has money to pay back. But 
Giving a person a loan is an act of kindness. It's, the Torah tells us, help the other person, don't take interest. But what is it that's so much about interest? We're going to get back to this. This is from the Parsha, but I just wanted to, but I wanted to just discuss just some general ideas that we have in our own lives. And sometimes we, wor- we wonder, uh, why is it set up in such a way? So, let's say you are successful. And let's say you have the means, right? You have the means, let's say. Should you give your children everything? Should you spoil them rotten? Should you make them work for things? Should you have them earn what they what they get? Or you should just, you know, give them whatever they want. You know, you can afford it. You know, you can afford it. Let's say you can afford to give them. Should you... Are you doing them a favor by just giving it to them without them having to earn it, to work for it, to, uh, to get it? So, of course, you know, most answer is no. That's not a good training for the children. It's not a good way to grow up. It's a, why? Because they grow up to be spoiled, we know. They grow up, they don't value. And a lot of times when they go out into the world, they don't know how to handle situations because they've never gotten any training in how to uh, work for something, earn something, and reach for something higher. It's, that's just in the day-to-day things, the way we bring up children. But in a way, in our relationship with God, right? In our relationship with God. So we know that we have mitzvahs. We have how many mitzvahs we have Commandments. A mitzvah is a commandment. We have 613 commandments. Matter of fact, Moshe Rabbeinu told us 611 mitzvot, and two we heard directly from God when we were at Mount Sinai. If you see the word, it says Torah, Tziva. Anybody can finish? The first Torah, Tziva, Moshe. Moshe, Marasha Kilas Yaakov. Torah, Tziva, Lanu. Now, Torah, gematria, the numerical, the Hebrew words all have the numerical uh, equivalent. The word Torah, which is the name for the Torah, equals 611. So we're saying this, Torah tzivalanu Moshe. Moshe told us 611 mitzvahs, because the other two we heard from Hashem himself. But our lives are full with mitzvahs. Whatever we do all the time, we do somehow, you know, before we eat food, we make a blessing. We're always constantly, we're always constantly reminded that we have to say thank you, we have to, we, we, we have to appreciate, we have to, we shouldn't, we don't take things for granted. That's why in the morning, we go to services. In the afternoon, when you eat, you make a bracha, you make a blessing after you finish eating. We're always constantly reminded ourselves. You know, we forget very quickly. We're reminded that everything that we have and everything that we get, we should say thank you. We should say appreciation. So we have, and we have a lot of mitzvahs that we do. We have Shabbat, and we have Yom Tov, and we have uh, the various different mitzvahs in our heart to love God, to respect God, to 
respect our parents to all the various different mitzvahs that we have. We have 613 mitzvahs, and we have many more rabbinic mitzvahs. So we have, we're always doing the mitzvahs. What are we doing the mitzvahs? That's our way of serving God. If we serve God, right, then it's for us. Then we get the God's blessings. Then God gives us the blessings for serving Him. So we serve God and He gives us blessings. So here the question that we can ask is, here the question we can ask is, why doesn't God just give us the blessing without having to serve God? Why doesn't He just give us the blessing like that? Can't, isn't, if God is kind and God is good and God is what? Oh, you're getting it. Okay, great. So why does God make us work for, 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 for earning? Why do we have to earn God's blessing? Why don't we just God just give us the blessing? You know, there's a Hebrew word for when you get things for nothing. For nothing. That's called Nahamo de Chisufa. That's called shameful bread. If you don't work for your bread and you don't uh, toil, you just get a handout, you know. So then it's shameful bread, you know, it's bread. But God's kindness is such that He doesn't just give it to you. True kindness, if a parent is kind to the child, they will train them and they will make them work for what they get. So then they are really giving their child, not only they're giving them, but they're actually training them what's right. They're, they're, they're teaching them and they're giving them life's lessons, which is maybe more important even than the actual thing that they're giving them. So in God's essence of goodness, he doesn't want to just give out handouts. Why? Because we don't really... Uh, gain so much by just getting something. We really gain a lot more when we had it to work to strive to reach it. And that's when we really gain, and that's what we really appreciate, yeah? I'm thinking back to Adam and Chava. Originally, work was a punishment. We weren't supposed to work uh, and go through all labor pains. That's not what the verse says. Just the opposite. The verse says... Before they sinned. Yeah. No. The verse says, no, the verse says Hashem put him in to the Gan Eden. Look in the verse. What does it say? Le'avda u'leshamra. To work it and to guard it. The garden. Later on, they were chased out of the garden. And there Hashem says, now it's going to be hard. It's going to go. You're going to plant. It's going to give you thorns and other things. And it, the earth was cursed. It won't give so much power. But to begin with, they were placed in the Gan Eden. Le'ovda, look in the verse, it says, to work it and to guard it. Actually, those are the positive mitzvahs and the prohibitions. Yeah? Then they would have been successful. They wouldn't get the thorns and they wouldn't get all the difficulties. So they caused themselves a deterioration, sometimes by not listening. But this is actually precisely actually supports this idea that from the beginning, God created man to toil, to earn his keep, to work for what he needs to get, and not just be there and, and, and receive just things like that. 
That is actually the way that Hashem created. But it's a favor that God did us that way. No pain, no gain. <laughs> well, yeah, well. Maybe that's not exactly the same thing. <laughs> you know, um, we say a bracha. What do we say every time we make a blessing? Hashem, blessed are you God, Elokeinu, our God, Melech Olam, the king of the world, Asher Kiddishanu B'mitzvotav. What does that mean? Asher Kiddishanu, you made us holy. You sanctified us with your commandments. What does it mean when it says your commandments? What does it mean your commandments. What does it mean, your commandments? You know, a lot of times, parents, if you want to use that as an example, will tell the children what to do, but they don't do it themselves. They don't, they say, do as I say, not as I do. Where you're, sometimes, we're too lazy, or we don't have the willpower, we don't have the what it takes to do it ourselves. You know, maybe we feel that we can't do it. We tell them what to do. But children usually pick up very quickly. And they understand if you just live by what a living example, or you're just preaching to them. You're just telling them what to do. And, you know, it's almost to say, you know, if you're not going to do it yourself, you know, how, how do you expect for me to do it? I'll tell you a little story. There was one time a, a rabbi who was, uh, he wasn't so religious. He was just, you know, uh, but he was a very beautiful speaker. And he was like, he always got the people to really, you know, get into, uh, he would get them to uh, get them charismatic. He would get them inspired. And everybody would be passionate about his... But himself, he was like, you know, you know, a little, not so religious. So he once came to the Rebbe, and the, and the Rebbe said to him, you know, you're such a successful speaker and everything else, but you should see to it that you yourself become more observant in your own life. So he says, Rebbe, he says, what difference does it make, you know, what I do, at least I speak so nicely and everybody listens to me and everybody's impressed and everybody is in a high and everybody's so excited about, you know, about their Yiddish guide and everything else. So, ah, there he says, you know, one point there he says, you know, the people that you're teaching will also teach their Yiddish guide to others, <laughs> but they won't do what you're doing. In other words, if you don't role model, if you're not a living example for them, the message what you're giving to them is, you know, just speak nicely, just say nice things, but then you don't really have to do. But if you do, and you do what you say you're doing, then they emulate what you do. Then you become really a role model. Hashem works differently. When Hashem tells us to do a mitzvah, we should do something, Hashem does it himself. He, actually, he does it first. There's a verse that says, 
Magid Varov Yaakov, Chukov Mishpatov Yisrael. God says his words, his laws, he tells it to the to, to the people. So he does it first. Like we say, you know, if we do tefillin, God puts on tefillin. Of course it's not the physical tefillin. If God tells us to light the Shabbos candle, he lights Shabbos candle. It doesn't mean, it's metaphorically, but on some spiritual level, he doesn't just tell us to do something. But actually, he goes ahead and he does it himself. And only after he does it, does he tell us to do what he does. So he does it first and then he tells us to do. But not only that. When we do something, God mirrors what we do also. So first, God does it, and then he tells us to do it. And then once we do it, God does it again. He mirrors what we do. Why does God do it? Because the... God helps us, you know, he knows that each of us human beings have obstacles. We have, from the inside, from the outside, we have our own, you know, lives, our own experiences, our own upbringing. We have challenges, and we have challenges from the inside and from the outside, from our friends, from our neighbors, from society, from environment. We have different things that distract us. So how do we get the energy to stay the course. So God does the mitzvah and by Shem in a sp- some spiritual way, doing the mitzvah gives us all the energy that we should also do the mitzvah. So we do the mitzvah because God does the mitzvah, we do the mitzvah. But it's more than that. Once we do the mitzvah, God also does the mitzvah. God does the mitzvah opposite us. When we do the mitzvah, He does the mitzvah. That means... That's the reward that we get from Hashem, from God. When we do a good deed, we get Hashem's good deed is to us. In other words, uh, our if we help somebody in need, so God says, well, you're in need too, I'm going to help you as well. So in other words, it's measure for measure. Once you do the good deed, then God pays you back with the good deed. And it all ends up with being there for somebody else, being there Sometimes it's somebody else's yourself because you gotta be for yourself as well. That's uh, your obligation. So then, when you do something good, get Hashem responds to you with something good. So we understand why Hashem has to do the mitzvahs in the beginning to inspire you. But why the need for Hashem to do the mitzvah or to do it after when you do the mitzvah? And and the answer is like this. The Rebbe explains that if you do something, you want to know that you're achieving something, really. In other words, like this. Let's say somebody gives you a gift. That means you didn't do anything, and they just handed you a gift. So we know that that's considered to be Nahama de Chesufa. That's considered to be shameful bread, because you didn't work for it, you just got it. But let's give another scenario. Let's say somebody says, I want you to do something for me, which I'm going to pay you for. But I don't really need the thing that you're doing. There's a story told about, he gave a metaphor, the previous Rebbe said, that he once called in a worker, and he says to the worker, listen, he says, you come into my room over here, and stand there with a sickle, 
and just make the movements back and forth and I'll pay you for it. He agreed. But after a little bit, he says, I'm not accomplishing anything. What am I doing? I'm not doing anything. You know, he says, I'm going back and forth, back and forth without being accomplished anything. So, when a person does something, but he's not really doing anything for you, there's two problems over there. Number one, you're really, you're paying them, but you're not paying them for doing it. You're still giving them a gift because at the end of the day, they didn't do anything for you. They didn't do, they didn't accomplish. You're getting paid, either they just give it to you a gift or they're telling you to do something which they don't really need. So what, at the end of the day, they're just giving it to you as a gift. And on top of that, when you don't feel accomplished, when you don't feel that you've done something positive, it's very difficult to stay the course. It's very difficult to keep on doing. It's like moving the sickle back and forth. When you're out there and you're cutting and you're doing, you see you're accomplishing something. There's something beneficial. Somebody's benefiting from it. Then that gives you the energy. Then you can do it. But if you're... You know, a lot of times we live our lives like, you know, we're running, running, going to work, and back and forth. We're running that sickle. But what? What? At the end of the day, okay, we'll bring in some more money. We're bringing. But what? What are we? What are we living this life for? We're going up and up. what are we accomplishing over here? What are we? What are we doing all this for? It almost feels like we're just raising the sickle in the room, back and forth. There's no real benefit. That's why we're saying over here, Hashem made it in such a way. He says, look. When you do a mitzvah, when you do a good deed, you know what? You are doing something spectacular, something amazing you're doing. When you, anytime you do a good deed, it's not that you're just doing it over here. When you do a good deed, you are actually causing Hashem, God himself, to respond to your good deed. To do the good deed himself, he is actually in it with you. So, as if to say, when we say thank you, Hashem, when we make a bracha, we do something, are we doing something for God? And the answer is, at a certain level, yes, we are. Not that he really needs it, but he put himself in a situation as if he needs it, so that we should feel that when we're doing something, we're doing something which is very worthwhile. We're not just... If we knew that what we're doing doesn't really matter to anybody, it doesn't really matter to God what we do or don't do, then why would we do it? Then we would feel that, you know, we're wasting our time. We're not really doing something. It's only because we know and we realize that when we are doing something, we're doing a good deed, we are actually causing a smile, so to speak, in God. God is smiling at us. God is happy. God is saying, wow, you've done it. I'm going to do the mitzvah that you did. I'm going to do reciprocate, do the same mitzvah. So now... This is a something which you feel. A, I earned. So when I do the mitzvah, I earn something because I'm accomplishing. What am I accomplishing? When I get God's blessing, it's for work, for work that does something. What does my work do? It makes God smile. It does, it does a lot. And it also gives me the strength and the focus to be able to stay and realize what I do is important. A lot of times people think, you know, how could it matter to God, you know, what a human being does here in this world? 
Why should I do it? It doesn't really make a difference, you know, in the scheme of things, in the, you know, God is infinite and we're like little finite nothing. So what difference does it make? So this could discourage a person from wanting to do it because it doesn't really mean, but the answer is no. You're a little, any little thing that you do, whatever you do, a small thing, you don't have to do everything. You don't have to do everything. You do one little thing. You don't even begin to realize what you accomplish with that little thing that you do. One little thing. Today we know that things take place in one part of the world and the ripple effects goes in the whole world, the whole universe. Everything changes. A voice comes from here and it travels all the ways, you know, to the other. It's only a metaphor to understand that, you know, things take place. So when we do even something small, it's something really very, very powerful. At the end of the day, it's very powerful. So, we basically have two, two levels of, of connections with Hashem, with the mitzvahs. The first thing is where Hashem starts us off, gives us a boost. He does the mitzvah. He gives us, what it really means is, God helps us. He pushes us. He gives us the support. He gives you the... Yeah, he somehow... You don't even know from where it comes. You know, sometimes it comes out of nowhere. But you get, somehow you get support. And sometimes you get it when you least expect it. Sometimes you get it when you don't know. But if you're tuned in, you'll see that somebody's looking. Somebody is doing the mitzvah, helping you and encourage you, giving you the mindset that you should actually go ahead and do something. And then, the second thing is, when you do it, you're also doing something very important. At the time that you're doing the mitzvah, you're causing Hashem to do the mitzvah. You're bringing about tremendous changes for yourself, for the world, and for everyone that you care about that is meaningful to you. So, something interesting about a loan, when you lend somebody, something interesting about a loan. Most of the time, when you earn money, it's for something that you own. Say, something that you own, something that you do, but when you're collecting interest for money, you're collecting money for something that you had before. So what happens? So one person makes a loan to the other person. So the money is transferred from person A to person B. Who owns the money right now? B. The money is given. B has the money. A doesn't have the money. So how is the money that B has earning interest? But it's not... Ah, he earns interest because he had it before. A had... Not, not because something that he has now. It's something that he had before. Before when I had the money, since I gave you something before... Now I'm collecting interest now, every day, 
even though now you have the money, B has the money, but because of what I gave you. But really, we should get earned from what we have now, not from what we had before. Like with the mitzvahs, it's not just the power that God gives us before. We want the mitzvah to be what we do now. We want to earn, not just because God gives us before the strength, the energy helps us out. We want Hashem in addition to what He gives us before. We want it now. We want to earn it. We want to earn it at the time. The mitzvah of interest, I mean, it's a little bit of a complicated thought, but the mitzvah of Hashem tells us, listen, if you don't take interest, then it's like saying to me that you don't want anything for free. You don't want anything on your merits. You don't want anything, but you want it because you're going to earn it now. You want on the present. Right now you want to earn it. I remember my father when he passed away. He passed away 15 years ago. And then my mother. But of course uh, my father was a, a learned man. and he was a, I respected him a lot. And I um, you know I feel fortunate that um, I was able to learn with him from, from him a lot. And, you know, I speak to a lot of people. A lot of people have bad memories of their life. A lot of people have childhoods which wasn't so good. You know, they don't have such fond memories. Maybe they weren't treated right by their parents and they weren't uh, given opportunities. And, you know, there's so many unfortunate, that's the reality. But I guess, you know, I was lucky in that, in that sense. But there's one thing. After my father passed away, I was always very, very comfortable because I didn't feel that, you know, I had to sort of be upright and be full. I can always say, look, I got such a great dad. He's such a mensch. You know, so if I'm not such a mensch, if I'm not such a good guy, but at least here's my dad. Look. Look, look, he's such a nice guy, you know. I always took pride. I always put him up front, you know. Sometimes me and my wife, we talk. We don't understand that we, we, we treated our parents differently than sometimes today's kids, you know, <laughs> treat their parents. We, would, we took pride in setting him up front and always having him. And I, it was my greatest honor to sort of present me. And I really didn't feel that I had to be somebody until after his passing I say you know what it's time to become a mensch yourself <laughs> you, know, you gotta because you gotta shape up yourself you can't anymore pass the buck on your lineage you can't anymore go and say you know somebody you know you gotta you gotta do it yourself you gotta you know you gotta be um, answering for yourself so we sometimes we want to live in the past we want to live with what happened in the past we want to take a benefit from what it took away. But no, we want to, we need the present. We can't live with the past. They had, they were beautiful people. There was great people. There were holy people. They were good. But now we have to be the people. We can't, 
there's a song which they sing. Uh, singer, he passed away already. But one of the songs he says, he says, he grew up in a home, and his father would make kiddush, and he would do the prayers, and it was, uh, it was felt so. But you know, the family already was maybe the second generation, third generation already. They didn't, you know, they didn't practice. But it was the, uh, it was the grandfather that sort of kept Judaism. That's what they knew. That, he says one day, you know, he went away to camp, and then he comes back home. Zaidi is gone, so there's no more kiddush, no more going to shul. There's nothing there. So the song, the point of the song is, he says, "Who's going to be the Zaidi of our children?" He says, "If it's not me, so now I got to be the Zaidi. I can't anymore pass the buck for somebody else to be the Zaidi. I got to do it because there's nobody else to do it now for me. I can't pass on and say the past." He says that uh, very important to us to take the lessons. You know, sometimes we feel, you know, we feel that way, and I feel like the Rebbe is talking to me too, because the Rebbe talks in this talk. The Rebbe says, you know, sometimes you work very hard through your lifetime, and maybe you, you know, you you raise children or children or a child, whatever it is, whatever God gave you as a gift, you raise them, and you feel. You know, I've done my job, and I'll let the kids, you know, do it. And you want to sit back. You want to live of the merits of your past, you know. Like I feel, I say, look, I tell my wife, I says, I'm ready to retire. I mean, literally, I say, look, my kids are doing all kinds of good work. They're all over. They're, they're much better. They are young, energetic, and they have all these kind of new ideas. When we came out to work, the Rebbe's work over here, we didn't have all the tools. You know, we knew we got to make a minion, we got to give a class. That was the things. But today, they come sophist- sophisticated with marketing, how to do things and how to gauge the pulse of the community, the demographics, and blah, blah, blah. You know, everything is like, you know, with the whole... We didn't know those things. We just worked our way, one person at a time. <laughs> we befriended people. Okay. What? Yeah, no, they had computers, but we weren't as sophisticated. We weren't as savvy like today. And today, but you know, they're using it for the proper things. I'm not being critical of them. But you say to yourself, let them, you know, let me. And I say to myself, you know, anytime they do something good, anytime I do something good, I get some credit of it, right? You know, because, you know what, I raised them. I raised them. Which, by the way, uh, why don't you? Uh, why don't we stop for one second before you go? So, the, but the message is over here. We can't rest on our laurels, our old things. That would be collecting interest. If that would be like collecting interest, saying, "Hey, you know what? I did it in the past, and now I'm not doing, but I'm still getting the payment for it because that's interest." No, don't look for interest. It's okay. Don't look for interest. Go ahead, keep on doing something, you know. And the Rebbe was the best model for that. He's, he brings, the Rebbe never talks about himself. He always talks about his father-in-law. He says, my father-in-law raised a generations of students and students. They can do all the work. He never stopped working himself. He continued working all the time, doing and doing. And he did even the simplest of things to reach out to doing the very mundane, simple things. And that is because 
He didn't want interest. <laughs> he wanted to work and he wanted the mitzvah that you do to bring you the benefit to... And the Rebbe did the same thing as well. The Rebbe did. He kept on, you know, there was... Uh, uh, some people thought that maybe uh, the Rebbe want to retire at the age, you know, I mean, Kanain Hara, the Rebbe worked into the 90s when the Rebbe worked, the Rebbe worked every single day and he uh, worked very, very hard and never wasted any, a moment. And that's what's called. And to us, you know, it's uh, something that is important to us to remember all the time. But the most important thing is also to remember that God pays us back. God pays us back. We get rewarded. We're not working in vain. First of all, God loves when we do a mitzvah. God is excited. Not that he really, really needs it, but he positioned himself. Because God is just like the parent that can just give their child. But they don't give their child. God can just give us. He doesn't want to just give us because he really wants us to earn it. He wants us to work for it. He wants us to get it and we'll feel good about it. Then we'll feel excited that we got it. He doesn't want to just hand it out to you. He doesn't get a handout. Because if he gives you a handout, then you're not going to feel good about it. That's going to be shameful bread. He wants you to work at it. And that's, that's why God does it. He gives it to you. You work hard at it and he gives you. But you have to remember, when we do something, God loves us. He loves what we do. And, um, and there's the blessings from it. And, it's just a uh, another encouragement. It's yes. Like hidden. It's hidden. Like if you see when you plug in the percolator, you see the red light go on, you know that it's working. It's hidden and we want to see the red light on so we know the phone is charging. We were actually talking about this this morning that it's a hide and go seek game of uh, but that's actually the service that we have to work today is try to see it in our lives. You do see it. It's just we have to be sensitive enough and we have to pay attention. And we have to look. We have to look for God's blessings in our lives. And, you know, we talked about the white full room tile syndrome that I spoke about of looking, finding. Look at the good things that we all can find. You'll see that God blesses you. Now, of course, sometimes... If you trust Hashem, that will bring the blessing itself. If you realize that it's only something that you need to learn from this, if you have a challenge in life, take it as that, as a challenge, and not that it's everything that comes from Hashem is good ultimately. And if you take it the right way, uh, then things will be revealed good. I mean, I hope I don't have the answers to all the world's problems, you know, but, you know, but uh, I'm saying it'll make you feel better, it'll make you uh, more uh, uh, more sensitive, it'll help you do things, but like I said before, knowing that what you do counts, is meaningful, will help you stay the course, because you'll know this is important, you know, this is important. If you know that if you're going to watch what you eat, if you're going to exercise, you know, if you understand that this is going to help your life, this is going to make you feel better, and this is going to do good for you, then you'll do it. That's going to be something doing. So it's it's important to know, to stay focused. Again, 
Now we have challenges, you know. You put the food in front, you put the, I mean, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're not, not, it's not an easy challenge. But that's what the struggle is. That's what human beings, we fail a lot of times, maybe more than a lot of times. But at the end, the main thing is we get back to ourselves and we really catch ourselves. So, okay, that's the class for today.